Hey, what's happening? Thursday, November 18th, 2021. And I am stunned because I'm here. It's about 4.30 Pacific. And the jury's gone home and has not reached a verdict on any of the five charges. Well, they might have on some of them. But they haven't reached a final verdict in the soon-to-be-forever-famous Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, Not good. Not what we want. We're way past what would be considered a quick acquittal. Statistically, an acquittal is not within much reach for Kyle when the deliberations go this long. I've seen different calculations or different math on how many hours they've deliberated, but it's been basically two and a half days. I mean, we're talking in the close to 20 range, maybe. You take out some of this video time, instruction time. You know, it's not, you don't just go, okay, three days. They've deliberated 24 hours if you're counting an eight-hour day. But it's it's damn well into the high teens. I mean, I, Fox News said it was 13 hours before today. And they deliberated a lot today. So, um, and there's some interesting things. We're going to talk about it because I really dove into it today. Some things to share with you that you might have heard of, you might not. And I'm, I have a prediction and uh, I'm going to hold on to it because I might change as I read some of this stuff. But, um, and hopefully we have a verdict tomorrow. Now I'm, I'm wondering if there is a verdict. And as the day went on, I knew they were not going to read it at sundown in Kenosha. And um, there's a little bit of a hint as to why that might be the case, but this hint could be something else. Um, Tonight, right now maybe, the House of Representatives are going to pass the massive budget reconciliation. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is not going to bring it to a vote unless she knows she's got the votes, and that's fine. They're a long way from getting it past the Senate, and that's got to go through Joe Manchin. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on some other things, including the Ahmad Arbery trial, which the defense rested today. This is a quick one, and I wouldn't want to be the defendant in that case. If I had to pick, even now, I'd rather be Rittenhouse. So let's get into the Rittenhouse trial and what went down today, um, because this was technically day four of deliberations. I mean, yeah, this is because they started sometime Monday, so we're like three and a half days in. It's already Thursday. My God. Um, first of all, MSNBC got banned. I'm sure you heard this story. It was all over the place today. Some guy working for MSNBC or some freelancer under the instruction of an NBC producer. I mean, this dude rolled quick. And the judge confirmed he was getting a ticket. But this guy was arrested for stalking the jury bus. And apparently he got the ticket because he ran a red light to keep up with the jurors. Now, I was horrified, not surprised, that this person is affiliated with MSNBC. But really what I was horrified was that this is common practice, that at least trying to identify the jurors, and I read this on a Court TV reporter tweet, and he was saying basically, yeah, I don't like it, never liked it, not personally advocating for it, but it happens every trial of this nature. They're after license plates, they're trying to identify the jurors, not to out them, but to get a quick interview, to nail them down after they reach a verdict and they all go home. These are going to be people that are going to probably parlay this into something. And I worry that factors into their decision because we're in a totally different environment. And I think, I think the judge has done a great job so far overall, but a big mistake 
not sequestering this jury. I don't see anybody. I mean, even the left-leaning people that I have followed closely on this, uh, Geraldo is, you know, a pretty moderate Democrat. He was on the five today saying he's stunned. No one can believe why they weren't sequestered. So these people are going home every night during deliberations, past the protests, past the BLM signs, past all the loud, angry chants, the mob. They're, you know, subjected to the internet, TV news that they're not supposed to be watching. I'm sure they are. And um, you can't tell me that's not going to influence a few of them. So I don't want to go out of order here, but let's get down to some theories and why these theories exist. So MSNBC, to close this out, they're gone. They're banned from the courthouse, not just the, the, the courtroom. And the judge was not happy. He did that today. And it sounds like this uh, individual who was chasing the, um, the van, his name's James Morrison. So he is apparently um, uh, just a reporter. And then he named a gal named Irene Byon, B-Y-O-N, as his producer who told him to do what he was doing. This guy rolled on his boss right away. Now, something Jesse Waters mentioned on The Five today, too, is that Kenosha's crawling with people like this, freelancers that um, are not, you know, they don't have NBC email accounts. They're not on the corporate payroll, but they're trying to get there. They're trying to break a story, get the big interview to prove themselves, and maybe get into the magical world of NBC News, which is losing shit tons of money, but I digress. Um, so they're out. MSNBC is out uh, I'm not sure what they'll do. They'll just have somebody from NBC or a local station do their coverage. But um, they got to work around that because they hired somebody who was stupid. But it's a really concerning that I guess this is common practice. And I think that should change. I think this is one of those high profile cases where we're seeing something illustrated right before our eyes that is just wrong. That is just wrong. And these jurors should have their privacy protected at least until they reach a verdict and they're released by the judge uh, of their service as a juror. Um, Before we get into what's coming next, the jump kick man in the video, the guy that jumped and kicked Rittenhouse square across the face, could have killed him, has been revealed. Um, His name is Maurice Freeland. Maurice is an African-American male who has a readily provided mugshot from one of his arrests for Fox News to share. And he was caught on video. He's got the mask on, I'm sure for COVID, right? And he kicked Kyle Square in the face. He, This defendant has been known by the prosecution. This scumbag, with his record, wanted to cut a deal to testify, which the prosecution declined because the guy's on video violently kicking someone in the face, even if it's somebody they think murdered people, it's just a bad look for the prosecution and it would certainly help the defense. So uh, Maurice got the thumbs down from Binger and his team. And Kyle did talk about that incident because it led to uh, the other two, Grosskreutz who lost his bicep and Huber who lost his life, no tears, uh, they proceeded to attack Kyle afterwards. This kick occurs right before Huber skateboards Kyle, hits him with it, and then tries to take his rifle, sealing his own fate. Um, and there's no way, there's no way when you look at video analysis now, uh, Stephen Crowder on Louder with Crowder did a great job. Kyle didn't clear his chamber. 
You can see in the video his right arm clearly, the right side of the AR-15 is clearly shown. And for him to clear the chamber and essentially re-rack or rack it back, you would have seen his right arm along the side of the rifle and pulling back almost to where his fist or his hand is near the butt of the rifle near his shoulder. At no time does that happen. With that particular rifle, that is what you have to do to clear the chamber. And it's really hard to do with your left hand. It's possible you'd have to reach across. But the way Kyle had the rifle slung, Crowder did a great job. You can look at it in a show louder with Crowder on YouTube. That was today's episode. Did a great job, great job demonstrating how this is not possible. And people in, on his crew there were like, well, why hasn't the defense done this? He's like, they didn't have any time, right? This, apparently this rifle deal was brought in later, but I don't know. Because I thought what Crowder did was very convincing because that was part of their uh, prosecution. One of their tactics and part of their strategy was to point out, and Gage Grosskreutz testified, that Kyle cleared the round, basically showing he was intending to shoot Gage before he even approached him, that he was clearing the chamber because he wanted to keep going. And that is just false. The video disproves that. Um, but more than the video, it would have been nice. I mean, the prosecution brought the rifle in. It would have been pretty smart if the defense used it, the actual rifle, and showed what you'd have to do to clear that chamber. Because again, Gage Grosskut's credibility was already in question because his statements didn't line up with what he actually said when he said I, he pointed the weapon under cross-examination at Kyle before Kyle shot him. But all of this I thought mattered and we're assuming it mattered. We're assuming the video mattered. We're assuming this entire jury, all 12 of them were looking at this with a, with a defendant who is presumed innocent as the law dictates, as it directs, as jurors are instructed and reminded constantly. But I don't feel comfortable with that assumption right now. So this jury's been out for a few days, way longer than any defense would want to. It's just the stats. Um, you know, OJ was like an 11 or 12 hour deliberation. He was fully acquitted. Um, but what's happening behind those doors, we have some indications. First, Newsmax reported that someone overheard the defense, one of the defense attorneys saying he thinks it's deadlocked at 6-6. He's not mentioning charges. Maybe this group is now at a point where they're like, I don't know, you know, all these shootings have similarities. We can't go one way on one charge and the other way on, the, on another, which is, I think, a little bit scary. They're supposed to go through each one. Maybe they have. But one of the theories this defense attorney apparently said is that they're deadlocked six to six. How would he know? I'm reading some speculation. My first thought was, and some people have corroborated this, that he can see them, right? He's, he's around these people. And he's done this a lot of times. You learn how to read juries when you're an experienced attorney, whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney. Most of these guys were prosecutors before they retired um, from you know civil service, government service, and they opened their own practice. That makes for a really good defense attorney. I don't know the backgrounds of these guys defending Kyle, um, but they're around juries. They're old enough. And so they're reading body language. They're reading interactions. Um, and they're studying these people every day. If you're not arguing actively, then the other attorney, your co-counsel, is keeping an eye on that jury, right? They want to know as much as they can before they close who they're influencing and who needs to be influenced more. Um, and it makes sense that they're deadlocked. At this point, my speculation is the best Kyle can hope for is a hung jury. 
And at that point, maybe a mistrial based on the motion that the judge hasn't ruled on yet regarding the low resolution drone footage along with the Fifth Amendment attack, these things we talked about yesterday. That motion's still on hold. And what the judge can do with that, he can basically wait till a verdict comes back and then rule on that motion. It's possible that with a guilty verdict, he can say, hey, this trial, this that, that's fine. You know, you've arrived at your conclusion. I'm, I'm going to call this a mistrial with prejudice, which is a big move. From what I understand, you cannot. The prosecution won't be able to retry this. But he doesn't want to do that. And so he, if he has, if this, if they acquit, for instance, there's no need to do it, right? You, you don't take that away from a defendant. If they're hung, he might still do it, but it all depends. And, you know, the prosecution is going to look at this. If it's hung six to six, there is some interesting theories that they will, one, certainly retry, retry this. They will prosecute again because they've probably picked up a better strategy and argument. And they talk about this but for discussion. And really, their new strategy would be to really hammer on. It's not as easy legally as it is an opinion, right? To say, well, had Kyle not been there, the but for. Or, you know, none of this would happen. The provocation we talked about the last night. They can really go after that in a new trial, right? It's like this one is a draft practice run. And so, for instance, if a couple people hold out, and stick to their guns, no pun intended, and don't want to convict him, and you've got like a 10 to 2 situation, right? 9 to 3 in favor of convicting. Well, then this thing's going to start all over again. The prosecution's going to do it. I mean, they, they look at that and they go, okay, we, we, we made with a case that we certainly could have. I mean, deep down, they'll admit they could have done a better job. Speaking of the prosecution, they'll do a better job the next time. And um, this could go on. I mean, we're talking, this could be another year. God forbid. Um, and, you know, Kyle will be free. I mean, he, he you know, he's the mistrial. He's going to be free. And that's going to be really interesting. And he's going to be in deep danger. I mean, that, that's the case if he's acquitted. Um, and so are these jurors. And make no mistake, I don't believe they should. I wouldn't be. I can say that. I don't give a damn. Who's angry about what? You have a job as a juror and you are supposed to make a decision. And the burden of proof is on the prosecution. And so you got a, you've got a defense counsel speculating it's six to six. Now you have the foreman, a female, requesting to take the jury instructions home. When I first heard it, I thought, I mean, I don't know. Doesn't sound unreasonable. Well, it kind of is. And I guess... I was hearing one clip and reading that both the defense and the prosecution didn't really like the idea because are they going to openly discuss their discussions uh, with friends or family? Um, the judge really regretted he admitted after the jury went home that he wished he hadn't asked them if they had any questions. When he was closing it out and giving them their final instructions, he regrets that he said, do you guys have any questions? Well, what could be a nosy Karen decides she wants to ask about it and bring the jury instructions home. I read one theory, because I was really trying to get some analysis on this, which could be kind of pathetic, because everybody's guessing, but I want to get the most educated and informed guesses I can. I don't want to speculate. I don't have the legal knowledge to do so. I want to at least share speculation from people smarter than I. And one of these attorneys, well-reputable on Twitter, was going off about it. Like She snapped, and she said this, and she's convinced 
that this is a four person, all right, four men, woman, who is trying to go home as if somebody, if you think about the opposite being a clinical or medical situation, doing their own research on WebMD, and she's going home using the instructions, which the judge said are confusing. And jury instructions, I think, go beyond details and are inc- include more than just how we're going to reach, you know, how we're going to share the verdict, how it's communicated, and base, just basic procedural stuff. What I'm assuming is these instructions are also a guide on how they're to view evidence and how they are to reach a particular verdict or how they're supposed to acquit if there's, you know, I can only imagine it probably reads in a brutal manner. But this attorney was freaking out on Twitter. And then she's basically saying, I mean, she's saying without question, she thinks this is a, a woman who's going to come back and try to play lawyer and judge based on what she studies tonight to try to pull people over to a conviction. Now I asked and I haven't heard back uh, via Twitter, could it be the opposite? Because I think it's a pretty decent theory, but what I don't get is how she's so certain that it's somebody trying to close others on a conviction. I mean, could it be both ways? Could it be just they've already reached a verdict, she's the foreman, and she wants to review how they're going to go about sharing their verdict with the judge and that procedure, what that's going to look like. Because she's the person that's going to eventually read the verdict, the foreperson, right? That's it. That's what your job amongst also kind of leading the process and keeping people, um, keeping people um, in line and reminding them of their role as jurors. But who knows what this lady's done? Um, no one knows who she is. But she is, uh, she made some waves with this request because I guess it's not, not too common. Um, but no verdict after three full days, according to the AP. And it's not great uh, for Kyle. And so um, this, is, uh, this is interesting. And all this because a police officer rightfully shot a man named Jacob Blake who attacked him with a knife in Kenosha. And um, I don't think any charges, I don't think anything happened to those cops. I saw the video. Jacob Blake survived, but he's paralyzed. And, um, you know, I mean, dude, you you fuck around, you find out. I mean, looking at the video, this guy had plenty of chances. Now, he went in, had already talked about having a knife, and these guys shot him many times. I don't know. I mean, that case is closed. It was never a case. And um, we hope it's, I mean, for everyone's sake, I mean, I hope the jury has been thorough. I can't see how they haven't. And you're going into day four of deliberations tomorrow. And you're going to go, and this judge, I mean, he does not want to send these people home for an entire weekend. I mean, Thanksgiving's next week. So um, I think these people want to get ready for the holidays and put this mess behind them. And... um, I don't think if they don't agree unanimously either way, I think this trial's over tomorrow. I just can't see the judge. I mean, maybe he says we can, let's try Monday. But that opens up tremendous opportunity for outside influence for two full days, right? I mean, almost 72 hours until they're back Monday. I don't get it. I don't see how, how that can happen. Let's pray and hope.
that Kyle can walk free regardless of the circumstance sometime tomorrow. Um, and then let's hope the weekend isn't going to be a riot burning fest. And if it's because he's acquitted or because he doesn't get convicted, so be it. And shame on any of these jurors who are allowing that to influence their decision to convict a young man who defended himself. That will be dis- that's disgusting. In my, that, one of the things that bothers me most is somebody's in there, I know at least a few of them, didn't give a damn about the trial. If they're pretending to, they're only doing it, going through evidence because they want to look like they're weighing it. They made their decision. This was their moment, and they are not going to budge. And I hope there are people on our side who looked at the evidence, understand what the self-defense laws are in Kenosha, in Wisconsin, and hold true. And there's been some interesting back and forth. You know, one of the jurors selected from the pool is the only African-American, I believe, who was in the entire pool. So there was one black man, and he's on the 12. And I got to think he's having an interesting time because, and I'm saying he's having a tough time being biased or unbiased because two of these idiots, I think both the guys that were killed, dropped the N-bomb. They said that word. It's heard. It's on video. It was heard in court. And, you know, we're talking about a taxpayer, a man who's maybe a family man, a hard worker. And I can't think that word rings well with him regardless of who says it. But then you got two white guys running through the streets, dropping that bomb. Ugh. So I don't I mean, how, how's he going to want to deliver justice for those two scumbags, especially in a circumstance where Kyle was defending himself? But we will see. There's nothing going to break. You know, so I like doing the show when I can. And, you know, this later in the day because East Coast time, that jury's been shut down. Gosh, for at least a couple hours. Um, some news from CNN. And this is, like I mentioned, they're voting on that bill tonight in the House. Manchin's not going to play with what they currently voted on. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, released their score or, you know, and this member Biden always said it won't cost a dollar. It's like $370 billion over 10 years. So we knew that. We knew this was a joke. It's going to cost taxpayers a lot of money, a lot of wealth redistribution in there, uh, more so in the reconciliation that may or may not pass as is. And it's going to come down to the wire in December. But the infrastructure, you know, I'm glad we're investing, but the environmental stuff is nuts. And so we're wasting, in my opinion, a lot of money on industries that just aren't ready for prime time. And Jen Psaki basically admitted in a press conference a couple days ago that she's okay. And basically, she's fine with high gas prices because that'll make us move to more alternate energies. I mean, they, like I said a few days ago, they're out in the open now, right? They don't believe uh, they need to hide anymore. And it's interesting with Kamala Harris tanking so bad, you see them turning on her. We talked about it yesterday. We've talked about it before. Her ratings are terrible. They're worse than Biden's. And she was in an interview with George Stephanopoulos, who is a very committed leftist Democrat. You know, George has been around forever. He's on ABC. He was admitting in interviewing Kamala, and he was pretty stern when he basically asked her if uh, she's not being utilized. And what I'm thinking is they all know. I mean, George has been around. He worked for the Clintons. He was in that White House. They know she's a dud. They know that she likely can't win a primary let alone win an election. I don't know how she pulls it off. Maybe because she's a vice president, she'll get nominated as a you know woman of color. That's all she can bring. But they know she's a loser long-term in a general election. They got to be figuring it out. And I think you're going to see Democrats turn on her. Right now, they're just distancing, but they're going to, in indirect ways, attack her. 
very soft, but ways of pointing out her lack of ability. There are people thinking that she might have to step down, that she might not finish the term as VP. Um, I mean, she just can't run an office. And today they shit canned her communications director. So this gal's gone. So they're blaming her communications director. What a terrible job that must have been trying to communicate for an airhead. Well, she's gone. So it's, you know, Kamala can say, go through the interview and say she loves her role. They're doing all these things. She ignored the border. Can't really talk about it. Never went there. And they just fired her communications director. So it is, um, it's panic. If you're working for her, your hopes of being on the first female president's administration or staff are gone. I don't see it. She can't do it. She gets worse with every passing day. And she's never really won anything. Every, every elected office or appointed office she's ever had was just given to her, right? Based on her privilege. Um, so we'll see. One of the funniest things I've heard come out of the Biden White House is they're considering a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Now, if you missed it, because there was nothing newsworthy to report, Biden had a video conference earlier in the week with President Xi of China, who's coming up to run on his third term. He can be president for life, basically. He's not going to lose. Uh, they love him there, and he conveys strength, which Asians and the Chinese love. Uh, the, the Chinese have already said no international visitors. No, Nobody can go. They're not opening the country back up for the Olympics. So even if you went there and quarantined for it's like 14 days still, a big power play by them because there's, I follow COVID around the world. There's some hot spots, but they're not having problems. I thought maybe the economic opportunity of international travelers and tourism coming for the Winter Olympics in Beijing, which are like in February of 2022, I thought maybe that would be their step to opening the country up. They, they're not doing it. And so Biden is, um, you know, he's playing this game trying to look tough with China, tells everybody President Xi's not his friend. And then the first thing Xi does in the video conference call they had earlier in the week refers to Biden as a longtime friend, which he is because Hunter made a lot of money from Chinese billions, a billion dollars invented into his hedge fund right after he traveled with daddy on Air Force Two when daddy was vice president. I mean, it's crazy stuff. And Bill Maher even said, who did a great job on his interview with Chris Cuomo, that if Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., did what Hunter Biden did. This would be MSNBC and, of course, CNN wall-to-wall coverage. We all know that. And so it's part of the Democrats' problem. And we'll talk a little bit about what Mar said before we close out. But, um, you know, Joe has nothing. He has no leverage with China. Nobody thinks he can do He's going to do anything. I Like, Taiwan's worried that Joe wouldn't follow through in defending them if China went across the channel and decided to take what they refer to as Chinese Taipei back. So what's Joe going to do? He's going to do a diplomatic boycott. Nobody, you know, Byron York on Fox was just laughing. That's nothing. Okay, that's nothing. It, it, if you want to make the Chinese laugh us more, actually do that, Joe. Do a diplomatic boycott. Our athletes still go, right? The people on the teams, everybody goes. Okay, so I don't know. Does it mean like whoever in the White House was going to go make an appearance doesn't? They don't give a shit. The less we're there, the better. China wouldn't want, they want all the power. They want to roid up their athletes and beat us in every event they can, especially the Summer Olympics. And so, um, you know, diplomatic boycott. Again, it's just all, it's all optics. It's like masks for COVID. It's like mandates. They don't care what things actually do. They don't care about the substance or if they actually work. It's just for show. It's activity leading to nothing. So we'll see where that goes. But, you know, going to Bill Maher here, 
who I've always thought was funny for a long time, very anti-Trump, old school liberal. He is attacking wokeness and the left in a massive way, similar to what Dave Chappelle did and really what, what sparred or spurned or spawned, that's the word I was searching for, Bill Maher to go where he's going right now is the Dave Chappelle controversy and how people try to cancel him and other comedians and people that the left just simply disagrees with. And Barr basically says just that stuff I've been saying and people have been saying it for a long time. And he says they're coming up for a major reckoning. Everybody knows it unless something drastic changes if they don't figure this out and they don't start listening to the more moderate people in the party, like James Carville, who we talked about earlier, saying the same thing. And he said, woke has become you know, a derogatory term. It has become something that is to be avoided. And it's because the left let it made it so. And, you know, he referenced some examples of people, you know, shutting people down and, and the ridiculousness of the different lobbies from the LGBTQRZ and all these things. He just He's just saying, hey, we're screwed. Democrats are screwed. And he even said, he's like, I'm glad Joe's there referring to Biden, but he didn't exactly stick the landing, <laughs> which is a great way to put it. Right. Like he, he is to say Joe Biden struggling is an understatement. And so Bill Maher knows he's like, hey, as a Democrat, I want you guys to turn this around. I don't believe they can. The Democrats have too many masters on the far left. All these different activist groups that have now become mafias. They're very powerful, very influential, and they don't care what party you're with, BLM included. If you um <laughs> If you stray away, even as a Democrat, they will cancel you. Right? BLM is already all over Joe Biden, right? They they don't care. Um, sure, do they want to attack Democrats? No, they'll give them a chance, but and they're not alone. I'm telling you, these groups are looking to call people racist. Now they want conservatives. They want to make white male conservatives. Those are their big enemy. White people after that, right wingers. Those are the ones they want to go after. They want to trap us. But if Democrats don't do what they want to do, they're going to go after them too, just like they messed with cinema, right? They confront her. No one does it to Joe Manchin, interesting, Mr. West Virginia. But they'll get in cinema's space and face on, in bathrooms on airplanes because how dare she? And so she's keeping herself out of the spotlight. I think eventually, unfortunately, uh, she's going to vote for what's going, going to go to the Senate soon. But Joe Manchin's not in any hurry. But you watch the woke mob start attacking him if they think he's going to hold. And they think he's just going to be like, hey, let's default. I'm not doing this to our future. I'm not bankrupting us. So who knows what he's going to try to renegotiate with that. But um, they, Bill Maher is right. They got problems. Uh, real quick, the Ahmad Arbery trial closed out pretty fast. The defense rested today. This is the guy, and I refreshed myself a bit on this story. You know, he and his dad chased down Ahmad Avery, this guy Travis McMichael, and eventually caught up to him after chasing him for five minutes. Now, it's pretty clear Ahmad Avery, Arbery was a decent suspect in a string of robberies of construction sites, other property. There's video of him casing these construction sites. And, you know, they leave a lot of expensive equipment there sometimes. You'd be bringing home table saws and stuff like that. And these things sell pretty fast because it's hard to get, they're expensive, and so people are always looking for a deal. And there's tons of criminal enterprises and operations, and even lone wolves, who probably Ahmad Arbery was, doing it on his own. Thing is, you know, it, no one's found any of that property. We're not, you know, you, you can't play cop. Um, and McMichael did admit today that until, before, you know, before Ahmad charged and tried to take 
his shotgun away, it was a shotgun, that Arbery hadn't attacked him otherwise. And so the prosecution, this is when the prosecution was cross-examining him, they really dug in because they said, hey, so you, after chasing this man for five minutes, you, you saying you thought you were in danger, that you thought he was a threat, and he was still a threat trying to run away from you for five minutes. Now you get into that provocation place that a retrial of Kyle Rittenhouse will definitely focus on. I don't think it's as strong of an argument as it is here in the Ahmad Arbery trial. The only difference is it's Georgia it's out in the country. Didn't have a lot of witnesses, right? There's like one, one copy of video, I believe. No, no drones, right? And so they, cornered, you know, they stopped this guy. He could have, I don't believe he was trapped. He could have ran elsewhere, but I believe they were trying to detain him. They're pissed. Things are being robbed. And uh, I think they made a tragic mistake. I think this guy, McMichael, is going to be convicted of murder. Because, um, and, you know, this other guy, um, Greg McMichael, uh, is on trial. He says they're alongside with his father, Greg, and neighbor, William Roddy, Brian, for murder, aggravated assault, and false imprisonment. Um, I, I think... He's going down for a couple of those, if not all of them. And I'm not saying it's a bad. First of all, he put himself in a position. He had no choice. That guy was going to take that shotgun and probably use it on him. Um, but I think he made his mind up that he was going to shoot this dude if he didn't fully comply. That's not his job, right? Now, did Arbery screw up? Yeah, he made the ultimate mistake and paid the ultimate price. Do I feel particularly bad for him? No. But we're not talking about a child rapist like we are with Joseph Rosenbaum or those other two idiots involved in the Rittenhouse case. And we're talking about a criminal. We're talking about a thief or a suspected thief. We could even say likely. We're not in a court of law, but he's only alleged. And, um, you know, we can't. There, there's just no way this jury comes back and acquits this guy and puts people in an environment where they think they can start hopping in their pickup trucks and let's be real chasing black guys in the south that that opens a lot of doors you can suspect someone of whatever and if they're on your now you're on a construction site you're trespassing in georgia in places like georgia you have problems i think they can shoot you i don't know what the law is in georgia if you're running away but you screwed up if you're trespassing and they think you stole something and you don't comply and you try to run, <laughs> they're going to go after you. Again, after a certain amount of time, did you call the sheriff? Did you file a report? That's the way it's supposed to be. This guy didn't corner them, right? This guy didn't jump out of the bushes and attack them while they were looking for him. They chased him down. Guy's probably tired. People say, oh, he could have run a different direction. He's probably over it. You corner somebody, whether they're a good person or a bad they do irrational things. And I guess he didn't think McMichael's would sh McMichael would shoot him, and he did. I think McMichael, his dad, and his buddy are going down, and I'm not going to feel terribly bad about it. I'm not. I don't think it was good judgment, and I do think it's significantly different than the Rittenhouse case. Um, did Again, McMichael, did he defend himself? Mm. Yeah, but again, after learning about provocation and how that's considered in the law, this is not an open and shut self-defense case. So we'll see. Um, I'm not on the jury. I don't know what I would, where I would land on these charges if I was, but I'd rather be in the Rittenhouse. I'd rather be that defendant. Um, 
and I think that one's this one's going to be a quick conviction. I think uh, they're going to hand it over. They probably, I mean, hey, if they start in the morning, I think they come back by the end of day tomorrow. Can you imagine that you've got the Kenosha Rittenhouse verdicts coming around the same time as McMichael? Unbelievable. You know, the Ahmad Arbery case it would be bigger news if it wasn't in parallel with the Rittenhouse. So it's pretty crazy, right? It's pretty crazy um, that both of these just timed out different states, different systems, different charges, and of course, different cases. Um, but this is this is a big, big day. I keep saying that. I never imagined, I don't think any of you did, that we'd be waiting for something and not sure if we'd even have a verdict on Friday, right before Thanksgiving. But um, I'll close with this, if it matters. David Clark, the good old former Milwaukee County Sheriff uh, from, it's Milwaukee County, I believe, is Detroit. And uh, David Clark is great. He's that guy, black guy with the beard, always wearing a cowboy hat, Fox News contributor. I'm looking at him right here. He's also on Newsmax recently. He sat on trials. He said a lot of them assisting the prosecutor. He said he's done it all, and he's helped prosecute and build cases for murder cases. He said, uh, he told Chris Salcedo on Newsmax, I know what it takes to get a successful conviction. That has not happened from the state's standpoint anyway. Of course not. I don't see how anybody can convict Kyle Rittenhouse beyond a reasonable doubt. But I believe there are a few people, if not at least half of them, that have reached that conclusion based on this trash evidence or the lack of it. He said, this is Clark, he said he's also been watching Judge Bruce Schroeder and believes he has exercised a great deal of patience because, quote, he had the grounds and he still might to declare a mistrial with prejudice, meaning the state cannot bring this case back again. Uh, the defense requested that on Wednesday. Clark goes on to say um, the U.S. justice system has been hijacked by people who threatened to riot when a verdict goes against the way they want. That's what we're looking at. If, if they convict Kyle of any of those charges, it's the mob and the threat of riots. And that's going to make me very sad. And that scares me to death because guess what? As a white male who can legally conceal and carry, legally open carry in certain parts of the country, um, there's no way I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, if Kyle Rittenhouse is convicted for defending himself in the midst of that chaos, <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to be on, I ain't going to be on trial. I ain't putting this in the hand of 12 fucking morons and some Karen who wants to review instructions and maybe try to sell some people on the jury that they should convict me, assuming that's what she's doing. I don't, who knows? I don't want to be in the position to speculate. So that's pretty, pretty awful that my Second Amendment right and yours has to be reevaluated. It really should be. Because if Rittenhouse is convicted, we are all extremely vulnerable. Appreciate you guys listening. I will do a show if there is a verdict tomorrow. I don't always do Friday shows, but I will be. I'll be pretty busy. Um, I'll be away from my quote unquote studio, but I will do something. I will give you a reaction, give you something to listen to, and hopefully not commiserate with. Hopefully it's not me venting or stunned and shocked, but I'm prepared for anything at this point, and I am concerned, but we never know what's going on in the head of these 12 people and what they're arguing about or discussing. Again, thanks for listening. I will be back soon. Have a great and wonderful evening and day, and we will talk to you later.